Smith, welcoming each and every one of you to the Lone Star Outdoors show. It is a treat, a privilege, an honor to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you each and every week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, thanks to our title sponsor, Dallas Safari Club. Also, our longtime presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Players. Uh, we certainly appreciate their support. It is a great time of year. I tell you what, the Blue Bonnets are in full bloom. The gobblers are strutting. I'm telling you what, they were, well, I didn't get one this week, but uh, damn sure tried. The wind really screwed it up for us. But tell you what, they are in full strut, looking for love. The crappie are on their way into the shallows. Uh, caught, I caught my two biggest crappie I've ever caught in my life this past week. Uh, both well over two pounds, big old white crappie. And I actually caught them while I was flipping for spawning bass. Uh, couldn't see them. The water was really murky, but geez, they just hammered a five inch Lake Fork trophy lure, a green watermelon seed worm. And then I happened to catch the biggest bass of my life. I, uh, I, I don't, I'm still on cloud nine. I'll put it that way, but that's a story for another day. One that we'll probably get into next week. Can't wait to share that experience with you guys and gals. Cause it was certainly unexpected. Uh, but as far as today goes, we've got a great show lined up for you. You know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old thermos because we are ready to rock and roll off the top. We will talk bucket mouths, uh, some largemouth bass fishing coming at you with guide Matt Scotch, who I had the chance to go out with a couple times over the past month. And we actually fished the Brazos River out of kayaks. Um, and that's what Matt does is, is he puts you in a kayak. He's obviously got one for himself and he leads you to where the big fish are, uh, which you can be so mobile in kayaks, really a, a cool way to increase your opportunity. And especially in places like the Brazos river where you can't run an outboard, uh, just because the river gets too shallow in some places. So, uh, the Brazos, a very underrated fishery. And Matt will explain why that is as well. Uh, a place that he calls the top 10 fishery in Texas. So we'll do a little river bass fishing with Matt coming up here uh, in just a minute. Then we will spend a couple segments with Clark Thompson, who is a passionate outdoorsman and someone who I guess we connected through Instagram, really. Uh, but he sent me a photo of, of a lion recently that he had harvested. And the way that he was able to put his tag on this lion is very unorthodox when it comes to hunting big cats. Something that I think you guys and gals will find very interesting. Um, and uh, and it's really neat how he was able to use modern technology, i.e. digital scouting, you know, trail cameras, to make his dream a reality uh, as far as taking a mountain lion without the use of hounds. Uh, so cool stuff coming up with Clark. Then um, at the bottom of the hour, we will head into the darkness with our friend Kevin Reese of Pulsar Night Vision and Thermal Imaging. I actually went up to Pulsar headquarters this past week, sat down with Kevin for a nice discussion on the latest and greatest in thermal and night vision technology. Also, you know, what kind of price point can you expect to get into a thermal or 
night vision optic, and we'll we'll discuss the full spectrum from lower end units to higher end models as well. And we'll also discuss the 6.5 Grindel and its capabilities as an all-around hunting rifle caliber. In addition to being with Pulsar, uh, Kevin's a longtime firearms writer. Uh, he's had just a litany of pieces published. And so he's got a wealth of knowledge on the 6.5 Grindel, which we will uh, discuss here at the bottom of the hour. That's what's on the docket for today. We'll be all over the map, which I think is a good thing. Should be a, a fun and diverse show for you today. A uh, couple other things to mention. Congrats to Terry Clark of Land Passes, Texas. He won the Lone Star giveaway from last week's show. Uh, we'll do another one here today, but we'll change it up. Let's go back to Costa Sunglasses. I've got a cap, a t-shirt uh, from Costa, and we'll throw in a Lone Star Outdoors show sticker. Uh, all you have to do, email Costa to Lone Star Outdoors show at gmail.com, and you are entered to win. Uh, also, our April Photo of the Month contest is underway. This month's prize, a Mossberg 12-gauge pump shotgun. Uh, this is an all-purpose field 12-gauge in throwback, I think, Mossy Oak camo. And MSRP is, I think, around 700 bucks. Uh, so, awesome prize from Mossberg. All you need to do, email your best hunting or fishing or outdoor photo to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. You can also post it on our Facebook page wall or use the LS. OS photo contest hashtag on Instagram if you know how to hashtag. And I know some of our older listeners are probably thinking to themselves, hashtag, what the hell is he talking about? But that's for you millennials out there. You know who you are. <laughs> Use that hashtag. Send me your photo and you'll be entered to win the Mossberg shotgun. Oh, and then uh, don't forget our grand prize winner from 2018 will join me on a trophy axis deer or black buck hunt down at Coons Canyon Ranch. So another great grand prize offered up by Coons Canyon Ranch in Rock Springs, Texas. Let's take a break. Up next, we'll head down to the Brazos, put our kayaks in, and try to rip the faces off a couple lunkers with longtime fishing guide Matt Scott. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Headed down south down to Laguna Madre, cruising over the Hey, North Texas sports fans, this is Brian Spagnola, General Manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. For nearly a decade, the Lone Star Outdoor Show has delivered entertaining, educational, and conservation-driven content to an ever-growing audience of sportsmen and women. Join companies like Vortex Optics, First Light Hunting, and Horizon Firearms that use the Lone Star Outdoor Show to increase their brand awareness and bottom line. If you're interested in introducing your brand to our audience, then call Gil at 972-849-3392. That's me, Gil, the Lone Star Outdoor Show marketing guy at 972-849-3392. You can also email me at gil.lonestyleoutdoorshow at gmail.com. 
Hey, this is Chris Knight, and you're listening to the Lone Star Man Outdoor Deepest Show. Creek bears on our place, and the river ran right through his soul. But I know at times it took its toll. When the crops had flood, we lived on fish. But never did my father wish. One of my favorites there from Chris Knight, The River Zone, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm Cable Smith. Thanks for riding shotgun with me today. It is great to be here talking outdoors with each and every one of you. I sincerely appreciate you tuning in. As we're getting geared up to jump in the kayak and do some river fishing for big largemouth with our friend and guide Matt Scotch. But before we do that, this segment is brought to you by Overstocks and Bargains. Who doesn't like cheap ammunition, right? I know I do. I know you do as well. And Overstocks and Bargains took advantage of the Gander Mountain bankruptcy buying up ammunition in many of their stores. Now they're offering it to us at deeply discounted prices plus You'll save 10% off your entire order if you use the promo code Lone Star when you check out and purchase your ammo at overstocksandbargains.com. All right. Uh, well, moving right along here, joining us now live in studio, it is my pleasure uh, to welcome someone that I've got to spend a significant amount of time on the water with here in recent weeks, Matt Scotch. Thanks for being here, brother. Hey, man. I'm glad you have me. Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about... Uh, well, we're going to recap our trips from the last couple, two or three weeks. Okay. Actually went twice. Um, but we're going to find out a little bit about you, what you do as far as a kayak uh, fishing guide. So tell us a little bit about yourself because I know you haven't always been a fishing guide. No, I haven't always been a fishing guide. I was actually a chef for 10 years. Uh-huh. Um, I did that. I, I loved cooking. I thought it was going to be like kind of like my future. I thought I was going to have a restaurant and you know go that whole right. way in life. and. After doing it for about 10 years, I was kind of feeling burnt out. And uh, about that time, I'd started fishing tournaments a little bit on the weekend. I'd s- switched from my normal chef job to a catering chef job. So I had weekends off. Uh-huh. So I started, like I said, doing fishing tournaments. And I did really well in the tournaments. And so, I, you know, fishing was picking up momentum. And I was winning kayaks. And I had all these kayaks. And someone told me one day, they're like, hey, why don't you guide? Hmm. And I was like, you know what? I never considered it. I never thought that that was like a opportunity in life. I really didn't. Sure. But I, I love fishing. And, um, like I said, I was kind of getting burnt out on the, the chef job. I got burned out in three months right after I graduated, uh, high school. My first real job was in the kitchen at an Earl's restaurant. And, uh, I was like flipping pizzas and doing stuff in like the wood burning oven. Uh-huh. I hated every second of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I love to cook too, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Fishing was picking up momentum and I just rolled the dice. You know, I wasn't going to have another chance mm-hmm. to do it later in life. I didn't feel like I felt like if I was going to do it, I had to do it now. And so I started it. I kind of went out on a limb and started it part time with a buddy of mine. Uh-huh. And, you know, we started Lone Star Kayak Guide and it's been a really, really great you know, experience and everything so far. Like we've really grown it. You know, we have uh, really great clients, Yeah. you know, people that come back, you know, year after year and mint, you know, they've come back. I mean, some of them five and six trips, you know, they just can't seem to get enough of it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of fun. You know, I really, it, a lot like with the service industry and being a chef, like you're in the business of making people happy. 
Right. You're still in the service industry. You're, you're just giving people slightly different service now. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoy it so much. Sure. Sure. What bodies of water do you guys uh, typically fish? We fish about four or five lakes in the DFW area. Uh, Possum Kingdom. We fish Lake Benbrook, Lake Whitney. And there's a couple others just depending on how the bite's going. Sometimes like Bridgeport. It really just depends. I try to keep it within two hours of DFW. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll go to Texoma if the bite's hot or somebody really wants to go up there for a certain reason. You know, smallmouth bass fishing typically. But a lot of times we do most of our trips, I'd say at least half, sometimes more, on the Brazos River, somewhere between Possum Kingdom and Waco. Right on. Right on. And the Brazos is a, a very underrated fishery. You would even say a top 10 fishery in Texas. Yeah, no, it definitely has its times when it is a, a amazing fishery. And right now, we're kind of in one of those times when the fishing is really good on the Brazos. Mm -hmm. uh, about seven years ago, it suffered a really bad golden algae bloom, and all the fish died. And so the fish have been on a rebound. They've been coming back slowly. And right now, the fishery is pretty healthy. I mean, I think you've seen over the past couple of weeks, we've caught a number of monster fish out there. And... The thing is, they're just healthy right now. You know, the fishery is healthy, so well, everything's Relatively good. speaking, though, the Brazos is not a big river, and so you guys catch routinely, you know, it's nothing for a client to catch us between a seven and nine pounder this time of year. So, yeah. I mean, why do the fish get so much bigger in the Brazos? Uh, because it's not a big, like we said, it's not big, it's not really deep. When we were fishing, most of the time you could see the bottom, and maybe it's six, eight feet deep at the, you know, some of the deeper points. Yeah. So one of the things that makes it really good, I think is it's still pretty wild. Access is limited. You know, there's only a little bit of public access. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have some sort of private access worked out with the landowner, like we have worked out yeah. you're the stretches of river you fish, they might be good, but they're going to be more suspect to fishing pressure. Sure. And that's one of the things, I mean, you, you saw the, a stretch of the river that gets a lot less fishing pressure. Oh man, it was really pristine, like total, just beautiful. We never saw another person. And when, when we I, out when there. I've like typically think of the Brazos, so like I lived in Waco for a while, muddy, dirty, just like it, it was nothing like where we were fishing, you know? Yeah. The Brazos is a really long river. Yeah. I mean, it goes north of Possum Kingdom all the way to the coast. So, you know, like when you say Brazos, you know, everybody has a different, you know, that's all idea I knew of what the Brazos river is. I, yeah. I grew up in Fort Bend County and the Brazos down there is muddy and ha even has crabs in it. Right. You know, I mean, it looks nothing like the Brazos where we fish at up North up here. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so obviously, like we said, great fishery. Uh, what, what are these fish typically feeding on? These fish are feeding on everything in the Brazos. I mean, if they can eat it, they're eating it. Yeah. And that's one of the things that makes it such a great fishery. Are there a bunch of shad in the river? There are some gizzard shad, but there's really not a lot of shad. The shad gets stocked in there whenever they do a lot of releases out of Lake Whitney mm -hmm. and out of Lake Possum Kingdom and Granberry. When the dams open up, they'll let bait fish out of the lake into the river, but they don't really reproduce in the river that well. So a lot of the bass are feeding on bluegill and carp, uh, river shiners, other bass, turtles snakes that kind of thing that well they must have a lot of it because like we said they're very healthy vibrant fishery um our first trip didn't go as planned though and this is the, just to you know for people that fish rivers this is just part of the deal once the if the lake above the river 
is letting out exactly 5,000 CFS per second. Yeah. Then it's going to affect the fishing and, and our, the river rose like five or six feet while we were in there. It was insane. Yeah. It did. In a matter of hours. Yeah. No, that was a really wild day. Typically the river, when they release, when we went that first day, I mean, they were releasing more than normal. Mm-hmm. The normal release would be around like 2,800 CFS in the summertime. And that's about half of what we saw that day. And they were, I would say that the river was already high when we got there. So mm-hmm. there was already more water in there than there normally is. And then they dumped out 5,000 CFS on top of that. And that made it really tricky. I mean, we could, you could still fish it, but it's not near as fun as fishing it when it's at its normal slower you know rate. oh yeah well i mean and i so i struggled to get my kayak in position you know it was a learning curve there oh yeah i fished out of diff- a kayak like three or four times in my life before that fished out of a canoe up in canada a bunch but you're not fighting a current there you yeah. know uh so that was for me there was a learning curve there it was hard for me to get my bait where i wanted like we said the river was flowing so fast uh i didn't catch a single fish yeah. You caught five or six just to prove that, hey, you could still catch them. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but I mean, that's what I do. I mean, it really is what I do. You know, I'm good at fishing. And I'm used to fi- rip fishing on the river. You know, I kind of know what to look for. And, heck, you know, I do it all the time. If I if I couldn't catch a couple, I, I mean, I, you know, I feel like I wouldn't be giving you a lot of confidence that they were in there. Yeah. Well, so you invited me to come back out. And the conditions for the second trip, which was last week, were just, I mean, amazing. Uh, we had an overcast day, which was great. So through a top water, uh, I don't think I ever threw anything other than the top water, to be honest with you. And what was a, what was a, uh, Zara spook? Yeah. Spook junior. Uh-huh. Yeah. And bone, which is a saltwater bait. Yeah, It is a saltwater bait, but it's also a good freshwater bait too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fishing is a conditional sport and I tell people that all the time. You have to fish the conditions. You can't just go off of your history or say, I caught one off this rock before. So I'm going to go catch another one off that rock. You know, the reasons why we were thrown a top water was we had wind and we had cloud cover. And when you have wind and cloud cover, bass tend to roam and feed. And so those are perfect conditions to throw a top water. I think you proved it. I mean, that was the bait of choice that day. Oh, yeah. Well, the storms rolled in about noon, so we yeah. had to quit fishing early. But I think I caught six and maybe lost two or three others. Yeah. Uh, all healthy, nice fish. Yeah, and we never really got out of that one spot that we started in. Yeah. You know, we didn't make it up river very far. Or... Mm-hmm. And I caught a mean mouth bass, which I had never – I think I'd heard about it, but had no idea what it was. Yeah. And I thought it was a smallmouth when it came in. And you're like, oh, cool. I actually thought it was a smallmouth, too, based on how brown it was. But after looking at the pattern on the belly, you could see the lines and the spots and everything. And I knew it was a cross. There's a lot of that going on in that section of the river because the population of full-blooded smallmouth and full-blooded spotted bass is actually kind of small. Mm-hmm. At this point in time, they've kind of crossed a lot. So there's a lot of cross species. Some are more smallmouth. Some are more spotted bass. But none of them are really pure. Mm-hmm. There are sections of the river that have pure smallmouth bass, but not so much on that stretch. Yeah. Well, we didn't catch the giant. We we thought maybe I'd get my personal best, uh, but the next day, of course, you were taking the Hobie guys out from Hobie Kayak, and one of them caught uh, like damn near a nine-pounder. So it was there. I just didn't catch it. Yeah. Yeah, that fish was a little bit further up river. I don't know if, we, if I'd have gotten you all the way to that fish. Um but, but your sister caught a nine seven. I mean, where we were like literally yeah, a couple did. days after the river went down. Yeah, right after our inaugural trip. 
Yeah. My, I took my sister out there and she caught the fish that I told you was going to be in that spot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes that's the way fishing goes, you know, oh, it, it doesn't always, you know, if it was catching, it would be called catching, yeah. you know, sometimes, I mean, you don't get perfect conditions, which you've got to experience with me. You know, there was a release one day and thunderstorms the next, you know, I wish I could control the weather. Yeah. Well, I told you my history of, of guided bass fishing trips wasn't very good. I caught one fish on Lake Fork off a of bed the first time I went. And then I went uh, up in the Texas Hill Country, and I think I caught two fish. So that was my best day with a guide, you know? Yeah. <laughs> with six fish in a half a day. and That's a good day, but I'm telling you, if you get back out there and we have favorable conditions again, we don't have thunderstorms roll in or some crazy release out of the dam, I think you're definitely going to catch your personal best out there. There's a good chance, you know, I, I know where those oh, fish live. That was the thing is we put on Instagram the first time I went with you. Hey, I think I'm going to catch my personal best. So, so far, the biggest bass I've ever caught is a six, seven. Yeah. So I was like, I think, I think we're going to, we might catch a new personal best tomorrow. We had everyone guess some smart ass guess zero pounds, zero ounces. And he won. <laughs> I can't believe it. I, I really can't believe it. Yeah. But Hey, that's the way fishing goes. Sometime we made up for it. The second go round. Um, what other baits are you having the most success with this time of year? Because most of the fish in that fishery have spawned out. So it's post spawn pattern. They're, they're still, you know, gravitating towards the beds, towards structure, probably guarding fry. Yeah. Uh, and they're starting to eat again. Yeah. Well, I mean, when they start feeding up, I mean, if the conditions are right, you know, some sort of moving bait, cause you're covering water, you know, casting and reeling. So I do really well with swim baits, you know, uh, the Shad Nasty by Excite Baits is a really, really good swim bait this time of year. Uh, put a lot of fish in the boat with that one. Spinner bait, swim jig, s- big swim baits sometimes, you know, if you throw like big swim baits. Uh, football jig or some sort of little jig works really well. Top waters work well. Any number of lures will take these fish right now. There's not like one specific thing. You know, like I said, you want to fish the conditions, you know, and if it's a bluebird sky day, you probably want to go finesse, you know. If it's a day with a, a lot of cloud and wind, you can go more power fishing. You know, it just depends, you know. I mean, every day, like I said, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about the increased popularity of kayak fishing. What's the allure and why? I mean, like you fish in these tournaments all over the U. You're going to Canada coming up here this yeah. summer, I think. For a smallmouth tournament. So why has the kayak fishing segment gained so much momentum here in recent years? Well, I think the kayak fishing thing is exploding because it's so much cheaper to get into. Uh-huh. You don't have the expense of boat ownership and the maintenance of boat ownership. You know, you can buy your kayak, an expensive kayak, for a little over three grand, put all the bells and whistles on it, and be in less than $5,000. You can't get into a boat for that much. And then you also don't have to... That's pick. like a typical fix on a boat. <laughs> exactly. Bust out another thousand. Yeah. That's what boat stands for. Right. So I think that has part to do with it, along with like the tournaments. I mean, we just had a tournament on Kentucky Lake, the Kayak Bass Fishing National Championship, and that paid out $100,000 to another Texan here, Dwayne Taft down in Houston. He won the whole thing? He, he won it. Wow. Yeah. And you actually placed in the money. Yeah, I placed in the money. It was the worst finish I've ever had on Kentucky Lake. I was 69th out of 752, still top 10%. And I kept my seven uh, tournament cutting in a check streak alive. So I was kind of proud of that. But, you know, if Shoot, Ricky yeah. Bobby, if you're not first, you're last. And, <laughs> you know, I was there for $100,000. So, I mean, the 
you know, the check, it helped at the end of the day, but it, you know, that's not what I went there to do was to cut a check. Hey, you paid for your fuel I, and your I, entry fee. I imagine. Yeah. It paid for some expenses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, what, so when is your next tournament? I actually have a tournament this weekend, the Beaver's Bend Kayak Classic, which is the kayak tournament that I built my guide service off of. It's up in Broken Bow, Oklahoma. I won second place three years in a row up there, and the second place prize is a Hobie Outback. So this year I'm kind of hoping I can get over that hump and get that first place check. It's a $5,000 check. Nice. Yeah, so kind of hoping I can get it done finally this year and not be the bridesmaid again. <laughs> well, let me ask you this as we wrap up here. You were making a living in the, uh, you know, basically in the kitchen, in the service industry as a chef. I don't, you seem to be a happy guy, very happy guy. You love what you're doing, even though it might not be a, a get rich quick scheme. Do you enjoy work every day? You might have, you don't even probably you don't even call it work. No, I really don't call it work. I mean, it, it is work. I mean, in the summer, I wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I get home at nine p.m. Uh-huh. I mean, their days are long, but they're rewarding. You know, it, that same sense of like satisfaction when you see someone eat your food and they really love it. I get that same experience when I put someone on a big fish where I get them out and I teach them how to fish. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that same, like I said, satisfaction from looking at someone and, and, and seeing that you made their day. And so it's a breath of fresh air to not walk into a closed building and, you know, being a hot kitchen with no windows, with no sense of the outside world, and to be almost like wild again, you know, traveling the country being outside with the bald eagles, you know, doing what men are supposed to do. Exactly. You know, I mean, I felt trapped in the, in the culinary world. Uh Like, you know, I didn't want to spend the next 10 years of my life and be 40 years old and say what I do with my life. Yeah. It's been really exciting for me to break those chains and to break those walls and to get out in the world and, and to get to experience the life that, you know, I feel like I deserve to be experiencing. Yeah. Uh, and I bet you can cook up a mean five pound bass. You know, I, I have, I'm not going to lie. I have cooked up a few five pound bass, but those are in the days where I wasn't the fishing guide right? and I wasn't really worried about conservation and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, no, I can definitely cook up a storm if, you know, if that ever needs to be done. Especially like private stock tanks and stuff where the bass, you start catching them, start oh, catching yeah. them. You see every bass you catch is the same size because the whole population is stunted I don't mind filling up a cooler full of bass in those situations. It's no different than taking deer on a game ranch. Mm-hmm. You, Someone has to control their numbers or they're not going to grow to their potential. Sure. And so, yeah, I mean, in a, in a stock pond, in a closed environment, you need to, to take fish if you want to have a healthy fishery with big fish. Have you experienced any public water like that? Are there lakes where you think people should be taking bass once in a while? You know, I feel like most of our public lakes, I mean, there's enough people that eat fish around here, and I feel like they're getting cold out pretty good. So, I mean, I really haven't run into too many where I think, you know, there's just too many small fish in this lake. There's one over in Fort Worth. Lake Worth has a lot of medium-sized to smaller bass in it. Uh, But, you know, I don't think that there's too many lakes that I've come across that just have way too many small fish. You know, you need to take some out of this one. Yeah. Lake Bastrop in the hill country, or, you know, south central Texas, used to be that way where there was just too many medium-sized fish in it, and they they could only get to a certain size because there were so many fish. But even 
over the past couple of years there, it's kind of declined a little bit on the numbers of fish. Yeah. Well, and I was just curious because my general mindset is, like I said, if it's on public water, I typically don't keep bass. Actually, I can't say I ever have. Yeah. But I will tell you that bass tastes good. And Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, Anyone that says the bass don't taste good either don't know how to cook yeah. or they're <laughs> like strictly conservative and like they're like, no, you can't keep any bass. But no, bass tastes good, people. Uh, you yeah. Know, yeah. Sprinkle a little blackening season on them and throw them in a pan and I'm sure you'll enjoy them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. If you want to give us your uh, website, social media, where can folks find you? Absolutely. So you can find us at LoneStarKayakGuide.com. We're on Instagram. Uh, you can find me Matt, M-A-T-T underscore Scotch, S-C-O-T-C-H, or Lone Star Kayak Guide on Instagram. That's my buddy Joe. Uh, then on Facebook, Lone Star Kayak Guide, you can find us on there. Uh, anything, you know, either one of those, you can get a hold of us. You can book us through our website too. Right but uh, any of that works. Well, cool. Well, hey, I look forward to our next trip. Yeah, man. Enjoy. got to get that PB. Yeah. All right. Our buddy Matt Scotch, good friend, and uh, highly recommend if you're interested at all in kayak fishing for a giant bass. Hey, uh, Matt is the one to take you on that adventure. That segment, by the way, brought to you by Pulsar Night Vision and Thermal Imaging. Check out the Pulsar Helion. This is a monocular that is... The creme de la creme when it comes to thermal imaging technology. Uh, clarity can't be matched. The first time I looked through this monocular, I was absolutely blown away. And I still am. It's got internal recording. All you do is plug it into your computer and you can review your footage. It's that easy. It's the Pulsar Helion. You get 20% off, by the way, when you use my promo code LONESTAR. That's LONESTAR when you check out at PulsarNV.com. Y'all stick around. We'll be right back with about as unorthodox of a mountain lion hunting tale as you will ever hear. It's coming up on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable here, and we all know that the North Texas weather plays for keeps. That's why you should call my childhood baseball buddy, Phil, with Tech City Roofing. Tech City is a one-stop shop for your roofing needs, offering a 10-year transferable warranty. They don't require money up front or a down payment. They deal directly with your insurance company. Tech City is insured and has an A-plus rating with the BBB. Call Phil Marler at 940-600-8221 for a free inspection, or email him at phil at techcityroofing.com. That's my lifelong bud, Phil with Tech City Roofing at 940-600-8221. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit bobcatofdallas.com or call 469-586-0000. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Long gone like blue bonnet. 
nights and the spring We're only here for a little while It's beautiful and bittersweet So make the most of every mile Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. Thanks to our presenting sponsors, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Players as well. Blue Bonnets in the Springs, the name of that one there from Aaron Watson. One of my all-time favorites and one of my favorite sights every spring. Whether you're in the turkey woods, as, as I experienced last week, and just seeing those blue bonnets popping up everywhere, or driving down the side of a, a rural highway. There truly isn't many things as, as gorgeous as those blooming blue bonnets. Um, with that being said, we are all set to talk some cougar hunting, but not in the manner that you're probably used to with hounds or the occasional South Texas deer hunter that shoots one at a whitetail feeder. No, this is nothing of the sort. Uh, but before we're joined by Clark Thompson, this segment is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. We'd love to have you get plugged in with this great group of folks who are passionate about big game conservation, hunters' rights, and education. To do so, why don't you head over to biggame.org and check us out. You'll be glad you did. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and bring on our next guest. He joins us now, I believe, from Fort Worth, Texas. Not entirely sure on that. But uh, joining us now, it's my pleasure to welcome Clark Thompson to the program. Thanks, Cable. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And, you know, we've never met in person, but you've sent me some pretty neat images from your hunts and adventures over the past few years. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself as far as where you're from and, and where you do most of your hunting. I'm from Fort Worth, Texas, and I hunt uh, wherever I can. Just a opportunist outdoors is kind of what I live for. We've got a place at the Paladera Canyon up near Amarillo. Spent a lot of time chasing Hawdad, whitetail, mule deer, whatever else, and then try and do a elk hunt every year. And been chasing mountain lions as long as I can remember. That's kind of been the ultimate goal. Right. Well, so what were you chasing in March when this incredible hunting experience occurred? I was chasing mountain lions. Um, I've had permission on a piece of property. A friend of mine's got a uncle with a ranch in New Mexico, just across the Texas border, just west of Dalhart, in between Clayton and Mascaro in New Mexico. And I've been running cameras there for three to five years. I have permission to hunt predators, which is, you know, coyotes, bobcats, mountain lions, and bears. Uh There's not a whole lot of country there that is is rough that is mountain lion and bear country. Most of it's flat prairie and pronghorn country. Sure. But there's one part, a couple thousand acres that has some cap rock that comes through where the, the bears and the lions pass. And so I've just been running cameras on that part, trying to figure out where the lions travel and kind of learn their habits a little bit. And so you've gotten multiple lions on camera? Yes. Over the past few years, I've gotten pictures, and then I started running the cameras, wireless cameras that's in the emails, you know. Uh-huh. So I would get a picture of a lion in you know, the middle of the night, 
And the plan was to call my friend in New Mexico out of Tucumcari who has lion dogs. Right. And to meet him there and go chase the lion. But one time we got a picture and I couldn't go. And the next time I got a picture of a lion, he couldn't go. Keeping the cameras running is always a challenge. The cows would mess them up or mm-hmm. squirrels would chew on them and whatnot. Oh, I've lost quite a few of those wireless ones from the dang squirrels. Yeah, it's, it's kind of annoying. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was the plan. Uh-huh. And so then, yeah. so then what happened? You got a picture of a lion and, and he couldn't go and you just went out yourself or what? So I got lucky. I was actually up in the panhandle. Uh, I was at that Paladero place hunting predators and doing some management planning, meeting with the uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife biologist. And then I had some work to do in New Mexico, some oil field stuff. And so I was actually in New Mexico when I started getting pictures of a lion coming by. It was during the day when I got my first picture, early morning. I had work all that day. So I couldn't go, and I called my buddy with Hal. He's like, oh, I can't go for a couple of days. Well, that's important morning, just to hit on because mountain lions have a home range. You know, sometimes it's hundreds of square miles. So right. when he says, I can't go for a couple of days, the chances of that lion still sticking around, you know, it's it's no guarantee. I mean, it might be 50 miles, 100 miles away. Exactly, yeah. could be in the next county or, yeah. you know, if it had a kill, it would probably stick around. Sure. That's kind of what we were hoping on mm-hmm. and I continued to get pictures during the day of this lion coming by every once in a while and so I'm starting to think there's a reason for it sticking around I don't know if it has if it's a female and has cubs or if it's got a kill anyway I'm sleeping in a hotel that night I'm still continuing to get pictures of a lion so the next morning I wake up early and just decide to get out there and just see what I can find, hike around, and I've got my Fox Pro, maybe try and call it in. And and I you're out you're carrying a rifle with you. What what caliber? 6.5 Creedmoor. Okay. Hornady Super Performance, I think it's called. Yeah. 142 grain, but uh, yeah. shoots great on 6.5. So, yeah, I'm lucky that I have that and a Fox Pro and some camo. So I head out there. I get there around 8.30. I park, I start walking in toward my camera where I've been getting pictures. I go to that spot, and it's kind of on a ridge on the top of a, a bluff. Start walking around, hiking around, kind of looking for a spot to set up and call. Kind of find a spot, and I'm starting to look for a spot to place the Fox Pro. And I find the mountain lion's kill in some bushes. Hmm. So what I what I find is just a covered up carcass, like deer leg poking out. Mule deer? Yes, it had to have been. Yeah. There's eeries when you see those kills. I've seen quite a few in Colorado chasing those cats and it's it's awesome, but also kinda of like, uh, oh, you know he's around here somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it was the hair on the back of my neck stood up as soon as I found it. It was yeah. very eerie. Yeah. And so I see that, and it kind of takes me off guard. I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, this lion could be watching me oh, sure. 50 feet away somewhere in these bushes, and I have no idea 
where it is. And so I immediately just kind of back off and I decide I'm going to try and set up whether to wait all day and try and shoot it as it comes in or call it in. Um, but the only spot I can get and see the kill is about 30 yards away. There was no great spot that was 80 yards away mm-hmm. up above it. Mm-hmm. So my only spot to get was in some bushes underneath the tree, 30 yards away from the kill. And I still couldn't see the kill that great. I could see where it was, mm-hmm. but there was a little hill in between us. I sit down. I had my little calling chair, a little pop-up chair I'd sit down on and kind of cut out a little hole in the bushes and just sit there kind of waiting hoping it's going to come by. I decided not to turn on the Fox Pro because I didn't want to risk spooking it or mm-hmm. maybe it comes in and smells me or somehow I mess it up that way. And I had been getting pictures of the lion coming in during the daylight yeah. the day before. And so I'm hoping that it's going to repeat the same pattern and come in during the day. This is a pretty unorthodox hunting approach for mountain lions. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'd say pretty comfortably 90% of lions in North America are harvested with hounds. You know, a handful are called in while folks are, are hunting, say, other predators or even elk or sometimes turkey. You know, you, you you make these vocalizations of their prey source and here they come. And then a few are killed by, you know, Texas, South Texas hunters. You're sitting at a deer feeder and here comes a lion, you know, stalking a, uh, the feeder. Uh, you know, a few are killed by chance, but at least 90% are killed with hounds. So for you to, to uh, number one, have these pictures and, and do your digital scouting like that and then come up with the uh the plan to just wait it out is is far from the norm you know oh for sure and well it's really rare to find as you know a fresh kill so uh-huh. and then when they are found usually it's hey let's call the the houndsman because houndsmen love to take advantage of that opportunity that's yeah. a golden nugget yeah and so but if you don't have access to the hounds right then and there then i think a good opportunity is is to sit on it. Now you never know if they're going to come back during the day or not. But yeah, yeah. Well, you've got the daytime picture and and you've got the kill, so you you know your odds are uh, better than most, I would say. So yeah. So I sit there and there is no movement. It's really windy, north wind. Uh, I did not bring enough clothes. I was freezing <laughs> and. Still, can can you just sit there and pretend like maybe this lion is within a hundred yards? Hopefully, it didn't see me come in. Yeah. Day goes on. It's getting colder and colder. I'm freezing. You know, I'm starting to doubt what's going on. Maybe it's cleaned up the kill and there's there was nothing left. But I couldn't tell because it's all covered up. You know? Sure. So, and I didn't want to poke around and disturb anything. Yeah, yeah. You're right. So kind of start doubting what's going on but want to stick it out do you have any water or food or I me mean, how long are you sitting in my there? pack i had two bottles of water and a snack bar <laughs> so every little movement i was tr- taking it as slow as possible mm-hmm. i still don't know if this lion's looking at me from 50 feet away or not yeah. shrubbery all around and it literally could be that close um, and I had to go to the bathroom twice, number one, you know, so I had to move very, very slow. I think it took me 
about 20 minutes to just accomplish that <laughs> each time. Uh, doing some weird yoga poses, trying to get that done. Yeah. And also eat a snack bar around lunchtime. And the day's going on. Sun's starting to go down. Are you cramping up? I think, like, for me, I'd be like, golly, this is, it has to be uncomfortable sitting still for that long. Uh, it's not like you're in a tree stand where you can move around a little bit or a blind where you're nice and cozy. So. Yes, that was very uncomfortable. Yeah. And I'm exposed. So can't get away with much movement, uh-huh. and there's no cell phone service, and I didn't want to play on my phone, uh, risk movement, and kill my battery, which I would need later on, possibly. Sure. Day's going on, nothing's moving, wind finally starts to die down, uh, the Tweety birds are coming alive around 4 o'clock, so the birds are just jumping everywhere. And around 4.30, I see some movement in the bushes over toward the kill. And I'm like, oh, it's just more more Tweety Birds. Then I just hear bones crunching. <laughs> I'm serious. It was loud. It was like something I've never heard before. And the, yeah. again, the hair on the back of my neck just stands up. And I know exactly what's happening. And I kind of... So my head up to get a better look, and those what I thought were Tweety Birds were the lion's ears in the bushes just flickering mm-hmm. and yanking on that kill and, and eating it. And it was it was trying to pull it back in the bushes away from me. Uh-huh. I think maybe it knew I was there. I had a good wind, but maybe it saw me come in or who knows, maybe it watched me all day and then didn't see me as a threat and wanted to figured he left maybe who knows yeah who knows and i'm sure that the adrenaline is just at an all-time high let's do this though before we get to the climax of this epic experience let's take a quick break i'm sure that you're fine to stick around for a few more minutes you bet for sure perfect and that segment brought to you by all seasons feeder and the big chingone i bet clark wishes he was in a big chingone instead of freezing his tail out there uh in the open waiting for that lion The Big Chingon is the Taj Mahal of deer blinds. I'm telling you, it's got carpet. It's got cup holders. It's got room for three people to sit comfortably. It's the Big Chingon, and you can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. We'll be right back with more from Clark Thompson as we get to the climax of what I think is one of the most fascinating lion hunts I've ever heard of. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey y'all, Cable here for Three Curl Outfitters, and whether you want to bow hunt hogs or get after them with thermal imaging and night vision, under the cover of darkness, Three Curl has you covered. They've got the latest and greatest thermal imaging and night vision technology. They hunt unlimited, I mean just thousands upon thousands of acres of ag fields, or if you're a bow hunter and you want to sit in a stand and wait for the hog to come to you, uh, they can do that as well. Check it out, 3curl.com to book your next hog hunt. Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club. 
an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Well, I love to play my guitar, like to sing our songs. My buddies come over, and we drink all night long. I listen to Bob Wills on the radio. Got the beer in the just ready to go because we got it going on Cable Smith welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show our buddy Brandon Key Hill Country Affair bringing us back thank you thank you thank you so much for tuning in today uh, thanks to our title sponsor Dallas Safari Club as well as Lone Star Beer and Hoth Power Polaris it is great to be here talking outdoors with you we're all set to dive back into it with Clark Thompson here uh, regarding his big cat quest and the unorthodox manner in which he decided to hunt mountain lion. Uh, but before we do that, this segment proudly brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Rudy's True Texas-Style Barbecue. A couple Texas traditions, and you know where to go after you get out of those turkey woods this weekend. You head on over to Rudy's Barbecue, you stuff your face with amazing brisket, and then you wash it down with an ice-cold Lone Star Beer. Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. All right, well, when we left things off with Clark Thompson, uh, we had gotten to the point where he had found a fresh lion kill. Uh, He'd been getting pictures of a lion in daylight being sent to his cell phone uh, from his game camera. And so Clark went to that area, decided to make a day of it, and just wait the lion out after he stumbled across that fresh kill. And so he's been sitting there all day, right at dusk, uh, right before dusk, here comes the lion. And Clark didn't actually even see it. He just heard the bones crunching on the mule deer kill. And at this point, Clark, I'm sure that your adrenaline is at an all-time high. I can't even imagine uh, what is going through your mind and and how you're feeling at this point being 30 yards away uh, from that mountain lion. Um, so I immediately just started freaking out. Like, I can't believe this is actually happening. Because uh, I seriously started just to doubt that it was going to happen. Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, the odds of, of this encounter are—I'm not going to say one in a million, but pretty damn slim. So, right? Yeah, yeah. But you stuck it out. So here's the lion. You're freaking out. Uh, I'm freaking out. It's very surreal. Um, you have a clean uh, shot from there. So no. I, in order to get a clean shot, I had to stand up. I'm on one of those little bitty chairs, like eight inches off the ground. Uh-huh. Earlier in the day, I'd set my rifle up above me on some tree branches uh-huh. pointing towards the kill. It was just resting there, waiting for me to stand up and shoulder it and, and aim. Uh, so I had to, to stand up in order to, to get the shot. And so I slowly just started standing up. It's yanking on the kill, trying to pull it off. And so I'm trying to go fast enough so that it doesn't move the kill off. And there it goes, but slow enough to where it doesn't see me. Mm-hmm. And so I finally move up. I'm getting the rifle shouldered. And this is my deer rifle with a 
you know, 16 power scope. Sure. And so at 30 yards, you better make that first shot take... count because it's going to be tough on the second one. <laughs> sure, sure. Because that you know your your field of view is. I mean, you're you're zoomed in at 30 yards. Even yeah, if you get your scope dialed out. Right. So that was kind of the, the tricky part was finding it in the scope and and I really don't have a shot at this point because it's in the bushes, kind of facing away. And I'm thinking this isn't going to happen. And then all of a sudden it just jumps out of the bushes on the opposite side of the kill, closer towards me. And its rear end is facing me. But I have a shot right there and I'm thinking, okay, maybe I do the Texas heart shot on it because I know I can make that shot and I'm sure it'll kill it, but you never know what can happen there. Um, So all these things are racing through my head and, you know, matter of seconds. Uh, or do I try a headshot? Because I'm thinking this line could disappear at any any minute. Yeah. And then it just totally turns broadside, stands up tall, starts kind of looking around. And I knew that that was my chance. I was looking so, for you, huh? Probably. Huh. <laughs> and I set it right on its shoulder. I don't even think about it, just instinctually shoot at it. And it flies up 10, 12 feet up in the air, just boing, straight up in the air. And over the cliff it goes. I don't see it again, hear anything. And I just start freaking out. Like, oh my gosh, I just got shot at a mountain lion. And wait a minute. This is my deer rifle that's sighted at 200 yards. I know exactly where it shoots at 200, but I've never shot it at 30 yards yeah where does it shoot you know rifles can do funny things at short distances and so i start doubting what's what's happening my shot and what happened and i kind of wait and give it some time and i walk over there where i shot it and i'm not seeing blood immediately so then i'm really starting to doubt what Mm. happened how'd i miss it 30 yards but you saw it jump so, saw it jump, so I had a, a good feeling. I mean, you've I shot a bo- you've shot bobcats, you know that they they they'll spring up pretty high, right? And so that that's probably in, in the back of your mind. You're thinking, I know I hit it, but where's the blood? I can I right. just can imagine just what you're going through, second guessing yourself at this point. Right. Uh, so you're right. I knew I hit it because it just sprung up in the air, and that's what cats do. But where I'm not sure. At that close, you're thinking probably low. And so did I hit in the leg? Not sure. Start looking for blood. I've, I'm finding some, some blood on some of the bushes. So that's comforting. I know I hit it. Yeah. Wait a little longer. I don't know if it's wounded and literally just <laughs> sitting right on the other side. Yeah, and this is a mountain lion you're tracking, not a whitetail. <laughs> so. Right. I'm completely by myself. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere. No cell service. But I want to start looking before the sun goes down because it was like five, five o'clock there, and the sun sets earlier. Mm-hmm. I start peeking over the side of the cliff. It was right there, stone dead. Only went twenty-five yards. Awesome. <laughs> and then the then the celebrating began. Did you do a little Pretty dance? Unreal feeling. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's and awesome. I'm sure I look like an idiot. That's been a lifelong dream of mine to 
try and kill a lion without hounds. So I couldn't believe it had finally happened. It was <laughs> very surreal. Absolutely incredible. But, you know, you deserve all the credit. I mean, you set the trail cameras out. You call your buddy. Once you're getting these pictures, he can't bring the dogs. You're like, well, I'll just go and see what I can make happen. And sure enough, through persistence and, and some level of discomfort, like you said, you're freezing your butt off. It's uncomfortable to sit all day without being able to move at all. Um, right. And your dream came true, which is just badass. And, and why I wanted to have you on the show, because this is such a rare deal. But it's also so cool to be able to use digital scouting uh, with your wireless cameras to ultimately uh, have that, that tool, use it to your advantage, and then put your tag on a mountain lion. Yes, you're right. I mean, without those cameras, it wouldn't have been a possible deal. So. Yeah. Well, so next question, are you getting a full body mount? Yes, I am for sure. Uh, where I am allowed to put it, I'm not sure. The wife doesn't love the idea of it. You got to talk to the boss first, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's the boss. If uh, not, it'll go in my office, but I'll be happy wherever. Right, right. It was a female. Uh huh. uh, It's a full grown, close to 100 pounds. From what I know, that's a large female. I think they range from 60 to 100 pounds. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that I finally got was about the same size. So. Oh nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So did you? Save any of the meat? That's the next question. Yes, I did. I uh, I had to take it to Raton to get it checked in. Uh-huh. I'm a game warden. You have to do that in New Mexico. They take a tooth uh-huh. out and all that stuff? Yes, I had to do that, tag it before it can leave the state. So I had to go there, spend another day doing that whole deal. Mm-hmm. Um, that was in the wrong direction. And... Then I take it back to Amarillo. I had some stuff to do in Amarillo, and uh, a taxidermist skinned it out for me. And I came back, and he's like, hey, I got the meat for you. Honestly, I didn't even think about it. I'd heard it's good, you know, seen that you said it's great. Oh, yeah. But that wasn't on the front of my mind, the meat part. Oh, sure. And it slipped my mind of asking for it, but he had quartered it up and said, here you go, but I'd love to try some if, if you'd allow me, I said, sure. You know, thanks for helping me out and doing this in a hurry. You have the quarters and I'll take the back straps. I've already eaten all the back strap. Nice. It, it, I think it's my favorite wild game. It was shockingly good. I couldn't agree with all of your posts, <laughs> how good it is. And I'm not just saying that. I, w- I was kind of thinking that, you know, maybe the people that say it's that good are just really proud of their lion and you know it's it's edible but it really is that good oh yeah yeah the backstrap's phenomenal I, you know i did like a lion low mane and put, i put this on instagram i told my wife it was wild pork and <laughs> yeah. because she she my wife is very adventurous she'll eat just about anything i bring home the two things she said she will not eat her heart which is like my favorite cut out of anything and then uh and then she was like i'm not eating mountain lion so, uh, of course, I cooked up the mountain lion while she was at work, and when she came home, I served her a nice bowl of lion lo mein, and until she'd eaten half of it, you know, I just kind of kept going with the wild pork thing and then told her what it was. But she didn't eat any more after that. But I was just like, you just told me how good it was, you know? Right. But, uh, but it is. Yeah. I made the mistake of showing my wife your video, video <laughs> and she said, if you do that to me, you know, I'll kill you. Yeah, yeah. so... 
She won't try it, but I've had friends over and brother-in-laws, and it doesn't last long. No, no, it's good stuff. And that's the the barometer. And and I had a bunch of friends over. The first time I cooked it uh, was for, I think it was a cowboy game or something, and I smoked a ham, and and they all were like, oh, this is great. If people who, some of them don't even hunt, are willing to to try it and and say that it's good, you know, it it actually is legitimately uh, a very nice, has a nice flavor profile for sure. So. Yeah, I wish I would have kept more of it now. The heart, the heart. You got to have the heart of a lion, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's why I kept that more, so I could just say I've got the heart of a lion. So <laughs> anyway, well, Clark, man, that is a hell of a hunt. Congratulations, brother. Really cool story, and one uh, that uh, that you don't hear about very frequently. So I thought our listeners would enjoy it. I certainly enjoyed it personally, and I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me, Cable. I love telling the story, so. I appreciate the opportunity. It's a good one, man. So thanks again. All right, you bet. All right, there he goes, Clark Thompson. You can find him uh, at Classic Clark on Instagram if you want to follow along. And his adventures, uh, truly a hell of a story. Hope you all enjoyed it. I did. Uh, That segment, by the way, brought to you by Horizon Firearms. Little Bird told me that Horizon is going to be giving away a fully specced out custom rifle coming up here in the very near future. I think they're going to announce it at the NRA convention in a couple weeks. So be sure to check out horizonfirearms.com in the coming weeks for information on how to enter to win your own Horizon custom rifle. Let's take a break. Up next, we're joined by Kevin Reese of Pulsar Night Vision and Thermal Imaging. We'll discuss the latest and greatest thermal and night vision optics, uh, price points at which you can get into the thermal or night vision game, and also the 6.5 Grindle caliber. All that coming at you after the break on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution, the system hog trap comes in two sizes 17 foot and 30 foot diameter traps after you trap the hogs take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder the system is both a trap and a deer food plot fence that way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com that's goinfencing.com Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes, from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. Hi, I'm Eva Shockey, and thank you for listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Well, I ain't never, I ain't never seen nobody like you, no, 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 never, ever, ever seen nobody like you. I ain't never, the late great Mel Tillis bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, Cable Smith here. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Thanks to DSC, our title sponsor, as well as Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. It is truly a pleasure to be here talking outdoors with you as we're all set to dive into the night vision and thermal imaging marketplace with Pulsar's Kevin Reese 
as I actually uh, went to Pulsar's headquarters this week and sat down with Kevin, who taped this conversation. One that I think you'll find uh, very interesting as both night vision and thermal optics have dramatically decreased in price over the past five or so years. And, and the cool thing is, is you get more and you pay less. Uh, the features on these things are absolutely insane. Uh, but before we jump into that, this segment of the show brought to you by Scent Blaster. If you use any scent-based attractant, whether that's for deer, hogs, or predators, uh, check out the Scent Blaster. It is a better mousetrap. You'll get more scent out and you will get it out for longer. You can find it at scentblaster.net. All right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and, and take a listen to our conversation with Pulsar's Kevin Reese. Kevin, welcome back to the show, man. It's great to have you. Good to be back, man. Absolutely. So uh, how's life treating you? Because I know you, you work for Pulsar, but uh, every time I look at your Instagram feed, you're off testing some crazy rifle or, or doing some kind of thermal or night vision hunt. Yeah, I kind of live a double life, right? <laughs> I mean, I do marketing for Pulsar and Sightmark and a couple of other brands, but I'm also an outdoor writer, so I get to write a lot of different magazine articles and test a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. Well, so what was the last article you had published? What what caliber were you working on? Uh, the last one that I published was with uh, Sniper Journal. It was a 6.5 Creedmoor. It was a, kind of a do-it-yourself premium AR-10 build. And before that, I did an AR-15 build on a 6.5 Grendel. It was also a premium, premium project. So. Uh-huh. Right on, right on. What do you think about the 6.5 Grendel uh, as far as compared to the 223 uh, or a 308? Uh, well, you know... Uh, when you talk about a 223 and a 308, they're kind of on two ends of the spectrum, sure. right? And uh, so, uh, you know, a lot of people would tell you that 223 is maybe a little too small for like what I like to do and what you like to do, which is stack pigs up, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you can get great kill shots. I've seen people stack them up with 223, but if you don't have really good shot placement, you know, they tend to run aways. Um, the 308 is a larger platform. It's an AR-10 platform, so you know often it's going to be heavier to carry and tote around, especially like the way you and I hunt across crop fields, mm -hmm. where you're you see them a thousand yards out, and then you're stalking all the way out there, killing them, maybe dragging them back or walking back, whatever it is. I mean, it's it just gets heavy after a while. The 6.5 Grendel, kind of like the 6.8 SPC2, um, you're talking about an AR-15 platform. It's a a great um, caliber. Uh, it can go long range. It can stack pigs up at, at 50 yards. So I like the 6.5 Grendel because it's kind of like a multi-purpose sure. round. Because I like to bang steel at 1,000 yards, and I like to stack pigs up at 50, and it does both. Right, right. right and that's my problem with the 2.2.3. It's great for coyotes, really, you know. But uh, as far as – unless you're head shooting a hog, yeah. a lot of times you just put a pinhole in them. And they're going to die, but you might not find them. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why – being uh, sponsored by Mossberg, they don't have a 308, so I'm stuck with this 223, which is why I'm excited because they're putting out a, a, a 224 Valkyrie, which uh, you can get, you know, uh, I think you can get an, a 90 grain bullet from Federal, yeah. uh, which is going to be a game changer for me. I'm actually getting ready to, uh, I'm working on an article now, mm -hmm. uh, I think maybe for Tactical World Magazine, uh, but anyway, it's a 224 Valkyrie build. Uh, and and part of that is going to be to run that out to a mile, mm -hmm. but I'm also going to go out and kill pigs with it. I've heard it's a really nasty round. I'm shooting, like you said, Federal 90 grain, yeah. uh, the Fusion, and then also their their match ammo. 
but I got to tell you, uh, Todd Hughes has been talking to me about the 22 nozzlers. So, oh, yeah. So I don't know. I might have, <laughs> to, might have to follow up with him and, and maybe build a, two, a 22 nozzler and go, go run that on pig. I've heard that's a killer round. Uh, also, one that I think is going to be taking the – the long range community by storm certainly, and also uh, for hunting anything up the deer is the 22 Creedmoor, which is not your not your grandpa's 22. It's got uh, a lot of cool ballistic uh, features that I think, uh, and, and this is all from our friend Derek Ratliff over at Horizon Firearms, who's been building them. I think that there is a large manufacturing company that's going to start releasing that uh, available. You know, because right now you can only get it in hand. You have to hand load it. Man, that that'll be cool. And man, I just the, we talk about the Creedmoor. I just saw a picture of Donald Trump Jr. not long ago shoot an eight point six Creedmoor. So wow. I guess that's all that Creedmoor, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, let's talk about hunting under the cover of darkness. How the game has changed over the past decade or so. Things are much more affordable. The average guy can get into a thermal or night vision optic or or monocular for you know pennies on the dollar for what it used to cost oh yeah so let's start with night vision what is the entry level night vision uh that you guys put out here uh we're talking rifle scopes right? yeah yeah i yeah. tell people because they always ask me if i'm gonna hunt with night vision or uh you know thermal what should i get first mm-hmm. i always tell them a rifle scope sure because you can pull it off use it in monocular and you know so it's a reticle it's a rifle scope but a monocular is always just going to be a monocular yeah yeah uh, so I would say on the night vision side, uh, you know, I would go with uh, Digisite Ultra and 355. It actually starts at about say fourteen hundred dollars, but has some really incredible features. Now this is digital night vision that um, comparable uh, units several years ago would have cost several thousand dollars. Uh-huh. Now on the Sightmark side, of course, um, I have a photo. We have the Photon RT, and that runs uh, around five six hundred dollars, built-in video and Wi-Fi and all that. But so standard of, across the board is going to be the built-in video these days? Yeah. For yeah. your products? Our Photon RT, um, Sightmark side, and our Pulsar, Digisite uh, Ultra N355, uh, is going to have, uh, they're both going to have built-in video. Uh, they both have Wi-Fi, but of course the N355 has has some other really cool features, including the 8-hour battery. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, that's been a game changer. Um, because even like with the Apex lineup, which is you know an, an awesome thermal line, you still have to run those uh, CR123s, and, and you know, they're expensive, and they don't last as long. So now that we've got these rechargeable lithium batteries on these units, it's been an, an eight-hour lifespan. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, we've been hunting together a few times, yeah. and, and I can't remember ever going out there with, say, a trail with an eight-hour battery that's charged and ever having to change my battery out on my trail or my helium. Yeah. Battery changes are just non-existent. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. And and equally awesome, going back to that internal recording, you know, when I first started out with Pulsar, you know, it's been five or six years ago, I don't even remember what it was before the Apex. I can't even remember. But uh, that line and then the Apex, you've got to have the external recording device. Pain in the ass. Take, you know, uh, half the time when you'd shoot, it would it would freeze up, you yeah. know. And, and it just was totally inconvenient. Now, you basically you, you just hook into your computer and upload your video. Well, and you don't even have to do that, right? Because you have the Wi-Fi oh, yeah. through the Stream Vision app, so you can do it that way. Although it's going to take a lot longer. As I always tell people, man, if you're at home or around a computer, I mean, just plug the thing in and and pull it off with your micro USB. Mm-hmm. But um, but you hit on something about uh, uh, the S about the um, 
the DVR recorders with the SD cards and freeze, you know, the image freezing and all that. Yeah. And part of it is because SD cards just don't do well under recoil. Now that's part of the reason that uh, that Pulsar decided to have a built-in storage unit for your video files instead of using an SD. Uh, card like some other thermal manufacturers out there, but we went with a built-in storage. It's um, like basically a little computer in here. Yeah, I mean, it is. That actually, awesome. and just the video, the video storage alone, right there, is eight gigabytes. It'll hold tons of video storage. But what we didn't want to do is have those is subject people to the same types of issues that they had running SD cards. This mm -hmm. thing is built to withstand a 375 H&H recoil rating. Uh, and when we say that, we're talking about the video quality, too. You shouldn't have frozen images. You shouldn't have any of the things that you deal with with SD cards. So yeah. if people want to know why we don't build them with SD cards, that's why. Because they just, uh, they're just they very um, unpredictable under recoil conditions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I experienced it firsthand many times. So uh, this is much more convenient. Okay, so going back to the, the Digisite, yeah. uh, the, the digital night vision, you said about 1400 bucks to get into that. What are some of the advantages to to running night vision? Well, you know, you have different conditions uh, using thermal mm -hmm. uh, where you really don't get any type. Well, you don't. Your imaging is compromised, right? I know in the movies it's really cool for the cop to sit, you know, in the darkness. You know, maybe he's doing a stakeout or whatever, and he's looking through the windshield or whatever and using thermal. Well, you can't use thermal through glass. You really can't. Uh, thermal is not going to be good for you uh, if you are trying to detect heat signatures that are behind uh, solid objects, mm -hmm. right? Because those sensors are reaching out and grabbing whatever uh, IR uh, energy they can and bringing them back into the optic. And what that means is if they're behind glass or behind a car or behind a really thick brush, it's picking up the therm the, uh, the temperature of that that brush or sure. the car, Rock. The glass, whatever it is, yeah. and it's not picking up the signature of what's behind it, right? Where IR illumination is exactly that. It's, it illuminates. It's like casting a floodlight out there of infrared lighting. The animals can't see it. People can't see it. The most you'll ever see is a little red glow from the device itself, mm -hmm. right? But it, it casts out light. Uh, and so it's, it's sort of like looking at things through a flashlight on a digital display sure. where thermal is just looking for that heat signature. So anything that's blocking that heat, heat signature is going to be an issue, even uh, inclement weather. If you're trying to use thermal in snow. I tried to rain, use it in, in a blizzard one time. Heavy it, fog. It was, I'm not going to say completely worthless, but it, it was definitely, it limited the, uh, you know, your visibility. Yeah. So there's definitely different conditions where a night vision would be the optic of choice when uh -huh. I go out. So. Okay, and and so on the the night vision side of things, what is the most popular unit you guys have? Uh, it has been the Digisite, uh, probably N750, and then the N960. Uh, but now the Digisite Ultra N355 is picking up steam. It's it's a man. It's an insane digital night vision rifle scope. It's got a 500 yard detection range. That's incredible. Um, 940. Uh, um, it's got a 940 IR. Yeah. Um, it's got built-in video, Wi-Fi. The only thing it doesn't have yet, it doesn't have audio, but that'll be coming through a firmware upgrade at some point. But. So I, I'm, I lean more towards the thermal side. I, that's Those are the products that I like uh, just from a detection standpoint. The way that you and I like to hunt hogs across a thousand acre field as far as you know you get your healing on out and i think you can see stuff out to 1400 yards even with that well the xp50 2000 yards man that's it's insane so that's why i go for the thermal over the night vision but i have used uh quite a few of 
of the Pulsar night vision products over the years. And going back to what you said with this latest 500-yard detection, the last time I had one was probably four years ago, I think, and 200 yards max, you know, on a, on a good night. Where, you know, visibility conditions are great. Uh, so that's, that's, I mean, that's more than two times what my last experience with night vision was. Oh yeah, I mean, and now you can afford it. I mean, I run I run day optics on some of my precision bolt guns that cost twice as much as the Digicide Ultra. Yeah. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah. So okay, and now I know we have some thermals, um, yeah. like the uh, I believe it is the core that actually clips onto the front of your regular rifle scope. Yeah. Do we have anything on the night vision side that does the same thing? Uh, yes, we do have a digital forward. Uh, uh, adapters. Uh-huh. Uh, it's sort of like the uh, sort of like the Digisite, um, you know, N750, or uh, like the Pulsar Core Thermal. Mm-hmm. It's literally just an adapter that attaches to the front of your day optic. Sure. Uh, so you don't have to change it out. And we work with a, a number of different guys, including a couple of you know different TV shows that run different day optics and. They, you know, they want to be able to use their day optics, and so they use those. And a lot of people just don't want to change optics. Let's face it, it's kind of a pain in the ass to, to go back and forth. And not everybody has rifles multiple goes. rifles, you know. A lot of people, man, a lot of people just have one. Yeah. You know, it's good enough. Yeah. Um, so that would be a perfect application. Uh, but, uh, you know, it does have some limitations because it doesn't have as much functionality as a standalone, obviously. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, let's switch over to the, the thermal side of things. And, and, and so you said, basically, if you want to get in night vision, entry level, five, 600 bucks, yes. photon, yeah. then up to 1400 or so sure. uh, for the higher end unit. Uh, on the thermal side of things, um, where, do we, where do we enter the game these days with Pulsar? Right now, you enter the game with the uh, Pulsar Core RQ-30V. It's a standalone uh, thermal rifle scope. And uh, this little sucker right here is sub two thousand uh-huh. dollars. The MSRP is twenty eighty nine, but you can find it, uh, you know, pretty much anywhere for under two two grand. Well, you can use my discount code and get yourself well under two grand. There you go, <laughs> absolutely. And this thing listeners. is a little beast. It runs off a two CR one two three A batteries. Uh-huh. Uh, so you know, you may have to carry an extra set of batteries out there with you. It doesn't have video recording. But one of the things that it really does have that I uh, that I really love is it has the sapphire green MOLED display. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it's easier on my eyes. I killed a pig out 270 yards with one of these, um, so it'll go out there. It has a detection range of about 985 yards, um, multiple reticle uh, options. I mean, it's just a beast of a scope. It's a six. It's a 384 core and a 64480 MOLED display. So. Right, uh, and it's waterproof, man. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And so, if you use, so we have the Lone Star Outdoors Show discount code. It's twenty percent off any Pulsar night vision or thermal optic. So someone can get into that for gosh, sixteen, seventeen hundred bucks. Yeah, it might be better than my employee discount. <laughs> um, okay, so that's the core. Uh, as far as the trail, uh, this is a unit that I've been using for the last year, and like I said, the Apex was great. But my goodness, the trail just kicks so much ass in in every way possible. Uh, first time I looked through that, I was just like, "Holy crap, the game has changed again." Yeah, yeah, you so. can see I'm all smiles, right? Yeah, because <laughs> I've killed a bunch of pigs with this thing too, and this thing is just a beast. This is the XP50. Uh, the trail XP50 is uh, right now it's our top of the line mm-hmm. rifle scope. 
it runs, uh, I believe, right at about uh, MSRP at 5500 I think you find them all day long for about 5 uh, and we actually at Shot Show we launched the XP50 with a laser rangefinder. Yeah, and that's going to run probably MSRP of 6,500. You may be able to find it closer to six, and depending on what you're able to do, <laughs> when, when we start getting those, I might have to come back and see you and get one from you. It's crazy since I worked. Hey, here, you guys right? like to take care of our listeners, so 20 percent off. Yeah, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, same thing. Eight-hour battery, built-in video. Now this has a 640 core sensor in it and a 640 480 AMOLED display. And right now, 640 was is what everybody wants. Mm -hmm. um, 640 and 384 look fairly similar. Uh, you still see some higher resolution with the 640 sensor, but I can tell you it really shines when you start to magnify or digital zoom out there. Uh, you you'll see the benefit of 640 pretty quickly over a 384, mm -hmm. and like I said, this thing will pick up a heat signature out over a mile, 2,000 yards. That's insane, absolutely insane. In fact, I got to tell you real quick. I think it was you and Brett Charles at Three Curls Outfitters, and we were in Waxahachie, and we were stocking up some on some pigs, and you guys were watching us from 2,000 oh, yeah. yards. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I actually lagged behind because I forgot my monopod. <laughs> and after the hunt, Brett's like, man, you guys had a pig coming right behind you. And I said, no, man, that was me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But well, you watched us from 2,000 yards, yeah. man. Oh, yeah, yeah. And to, to be able to see damn near a mile away, uh, that's absolutely incredible from where this technology was uh, even five, six years ago to where it is today. And the fact that the price continues to come down for the average consumer, I mean, and, and let's not kid ourselves. Fifty-five hundred bucks is still a lot of money, but it isn't fifteen thousand like it used to be. So no, fifteen twenty thousand. I just did an I did an article. Uh, wasn't maybe three years ago. I did it for I think it was Ammo Land, mm -hmm. and it was uh, affordable thermal, and. I couldn't even get in for say thirty five thirty five hundred to four thousand. I couldn't even get into rifle scopes. I was dealing only with handhelds with three eighty four sensors, mm -hmm. uh, and they're running between like I said thirty five hundred and four grand. And that was it. I mean, that was the bottom floor. And now we have a thermal that's sub two thousand. And we actually have like the Trail XP thirty eight. You can pick up close to the. Uh, the price points that I was talking about a few years ago on just thermal monoculars that really weren't that great. Yeah, yeah. And that thing still picks up a heat, sig heat signature at 1,500 yards uh, with the 640 sensor and the built-in video, Wi-Fi, and all that. I mean, all the bells and whistles, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and they didn't have. And that's the XP38. That's the XP38. Some yeah. people actually like the XP38 better than the XP50. I don't shoot myself in the foot. The XP50 is is a beast, right? Yeah. Um, but I guess it's uh, preference. Some people like the field of view a little bit better on the XP38. Some people like it better on the XP50. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. So, so that's basically an overview of uh, the night vision thermal game here at Pulsar. Uh, don't forget that uh, if you want to save 20%, all you have to do, use that promo code. It's just Lone Star when you check out at PulsarNB.com. They'll get you squared away, and you'll get free shipping. So, I mean, to just sweeten the pot a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might have to come see you, man. Yeah. Well, cool, Kevin. We certainly appreciate it, man. I look forward to uh, our next time we get out with three curl and, and lay down some hogs. Pretty soon, if I can't get out with you in the next week or two, then somewhere around the NRA show, when everybody's out here, I'm sure we'll be out there. Absolutely. Up, so. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Our good friend Kevin Reese from Pulsar Thermal Imaging and Night Vision. Uh, always fun talking thermal because, to me, hunting with thermal night vision, it's about as fun as it gets. You can literally stock up within 20 yards, sometimes even 20 feet 
from a hog if the wind's blowing in your face. Uh, they don't see well, especially at night. The only line of defense that they really have uh, because of that poor vision is their sense of smell. And and then if that wind is howling in your face, they're not going to hear you walking up on them. Uh, so lots of fun. Highly recommend it. Still expensive, I know, uh, but becoming more and more affordable for the average guy like you and I. Uh, that segment, by the way, brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. You know, land is the one thing they're not making any more of. We all want it. And Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping people make that dream a reality for over 100 years. They'll do the same for you. Check them out at LoneStarAgCredit.com. We're just looking at the clock here. Unfortunately, we've got to go. Got to get out of here. Flat out of time. Thanks to our guest today, uh, Kevin Reese, also um, Bass Fishing Guide, Matt Scotch, and of course, Clark Thompson. Loved hearing his uh, epic mountain lion hunting tale. Uh, We will do it again, same time, same place next week. Thanks to all of our sponsors. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors.